Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I know you've been standing for a little while, almost 34 minutes. And uh, I'm just going to ask you to join me in the book of Matthew, chapter number 7. And uh, we're going to read one passage of scripture here found in verse number 24. Yesterday you received an email about our focus prayer for this coming week. And uh, that... Focus prayer is about the priority of obedience, and, and I want to just walk right along that vein this morning because there's something powerful that is released in our walk with God when we are obedient to His Word. I will say it more than once this morning, but it's not enough to know it. We've got to apply what we know. We've got to do what the Lord's Word teaches us to do. There's a lot of people today that know what to do to be saved. But they live in absolute disobedience to the word of God. Amen. So let's just pray and ask God to touch us this morning as we consider his word. Matthew 7 and 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And I just simply want to preach this morning about the priority of obedience the priority of obedience. You know, we're living in a society where words like obey kind of fly in the face of the liberal mindset. That there would actually be things that we have to adhere to. And um, if we get stopped for doing 93 miles an hour down the interstate, we're a little bit indignant because somebody's wasting our time because there's somebody behind us saying, You got to obey. You have to obey. But Lord, help us to understand the value of obedience and its priority. Amen. God bless you and you can be seated. Matthew 7, 24, at least uh, the essence of that passage is a very common passage. The story uh, that is woven into this passage of scripture is a pretty common story. However, if we were to just back up a little bit into the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew, we will realize that Jesus is establishing a pattern. And so he's not just talking about the builders, a man that would build his house upon a rock. But there's a, there's a pattern. So if we went back to verse 13, we can see that the Lord gives us a word picture, a word picture that consists of two ways, just two ways. There's a broad way, and then he portrays a narrow way. And then if we move down to verse number 17, the Lord gives us another word picture, and it's, it's two ways that are now connected to two trees. One good tree that was bringing forth good fruit, but then Jesus talks about a corrupt tree that's bringing forth evil fruit. Uh, 
And then bringing us to our text this morning, he closed this message on the mount by the, giving us a word picture of two builders. One, the Bible says, who built his house upon the sand, and another who built his house upon a rock. And so if we could pull these three illustrations out, and if we could lay them side by side for just a moment to consider them in their context. So these two ways that Jesus talks about illustrate the start, the beginning of our life with faith, of our life of faith. And then if we could move now to the next illustration, it would be the two trees. And these two trees illustrate the growth that results as a life of our faith. So we start out with the Lord, a life of faith, but then there should be something that, that, is, uh, that signifies that we're growing in the Lord, that, that we're actually gaining some ground, putting some real estate behind us. And then finally, the illustration of the two houses, and that illustrates the end of our life of faith. So we have the beginning, and we have the growth, and then we have the end. And so as we consider the story of the two builders, each of them surveyed a, a plot of property. Each of them looking for the perfect place to build their home. We want to make sure that this is right. So of one, the Bible says that he looks down and he sees the sand. In his mind, he's a builder. We need to understand that he has at least some skill, some qualifications. He understands that looking at the sand is going to be less labor intensive to dig in the dirt than it would be to try to chip away and to, and to somehow dig a footer into the rock. And so it wasn't long until he had his home established because there was not as much work, not as much sweat equity that had to go in to the building of the house on the sand. And it would seem as though that now everything is done, the last door is hung, so to speak, and now I can enjoy the rest of my life. But there was just one problem, and that problem is found in Matthew 7, 26, because the Bible says, He that everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not is going to be likened unto this man, this what the Bible called this foolish man that built his house upon the sand. It may have seemed a lot easier. It may have seemed like a much shorter route. But the Bible calls him a foolish man. Perhaps Jesus had some Old Testament prophets in mind when he was talking about these illustrations of the two ways, the two trees, and most certainly of the two men. Those men of God that had preached the word, but their audience didn't hear their word. Because every true prophet of the Old Testament and I would say that every minister of the New Testament knew what it was like to deliver an inspired word of God only to watch people reject that message and walk away because everyone, the Bible even talks about Jesus Christ himself did not many miracles sometimes because of the unbelief of the people. Can you imagine that? We're not talking about a representative of the Lord. We're talking about the Lord himself that could not do many mighty things. We know that the Lord went to the land of Gadara and only one person received anything of him because all of the other towns people were more concerned about what they lost than what one man gained. 
And so the scripture says that Jesus just got back on the boat and he went to another place and he began to do many mighty things. It's amazing to me that that God would be in our midst and he would be standing there with a willing heart and with an open hand and yet people can walk away unchanged. But I can tell you from experience that those illustrations are not just bound up in the Old Testament nor are those illustrations just bound up in the New Testament but I can tell you that from experience, it is painful to watch God's, or it is painful to watch people reject God and His Word. Because I believe on more than one occasion through the years that I and other ministers in this church have preached an anointed Word of God for a moment, for a season, amen, for a family, for an individual, God was reaching, and yet people get up and they walk away untouched, unchanged by that word. Amen. There's one central truth that's woven into this text and that is this, that we are only blessed through our obedience to the word. Now we may be, uh, we may be touched. We may be stirred. There may be a song that, it, that is rendered that touches someplace in our heart. There may be a, a message that is preached that kind of moves something in our spirit or in our emotions But you see, it's not what we do while we're here. It's really what we do when we leave here. What are we going to do with this word? I've got to do something with this now because now I know. There's accountability because I now have knowledge and to whom much is given, much is going to be required. We're not going to be able to stand in that day and say, I didn't know. But we're going to stand before God, not just a little guilty, but very guilty because we were raised under the umbrella. We were exposed and we had shared with us, not just through the teaching or not just through the preaching, but we also have had people around us that were living examples in this current world of what the Spirit of God can do in a life. And so they didn't just lend us or didn't just leave us relegated to a teacher, a lecturer, but they lived out their salvation. No, perhaps they were not perfect in every way, but aren't you thankful that they lived to the best of their ability and they taught us how to serve God. I believe I'm not alone today when we think about people that have served God under some extremely adverse conditions, but they just kept pressing on. Amen. Aren't you thankful for those that just kept leaning in? They just kept pressing on. When we think about the idea of obedience to God's word, we're, of course, looking at a Bible, a book that is filled with many examples, but uh, of them, we could certainly recall the story of the life of King Saul. King Saul was a man that was mightily anointed of God. And I realize it's easy for us to forget the beginning of Saul's life because we're sort of enamored by the end of his life. And, uh, and that's sad because if we're not careful, we will miss what God did for him in that initial call. If you haven't read that story in a while, I just want to encourage you to go back and just read about the calling that was upon Saul. He was hiding behind stuff. He was was just trying to hide and blend in. But the Lord miraculously touched him. A prophet of God began to announce some things that were going to unfold in his life in a quick succession. This is what's going to happen. It's going to confirm the call that God has upon your life. And the Bible says that when he turned to leave, 
that prophet that something in him changed. He turned and he became a new man, a different man. And as he walked away, everything that that prophet said was going to happen, happened just like the prophet said it was going to happen. And so when you read about that, there would be no way to deny this calling of God. It wasn't Saul's mother that called him. It wasn't Saul's aunt that called him. It wasn't somebody that heard, heard him testify and give a good red hot word said, hey, God may have his hand on you. It was the Lord that anointed him and called him. And, amen. But despite this high and holy calling, Saul missed God's blessings because he did not obey the commandment of God. So it doesn't matter how anointed we begin this journey. It doesn't matter how succinctly and specifically God places his hand of call upon our lives. I've got to wake up every day and say, Lord, help me to walk in absolute obedience to your word. Oh, how sad it was that, that when Saul was battling the Amalekites, that, that Saul heard the voice of the people that said, we should spare the king, Agag, and we should spare the best of the goats and the sheep and, and of this and that. We're just going to keep that was good, that that's good, and we're going to give that to the Lord. But Samuel rebuked him, and Samuel asked him a piercing question. And then on the heels of this piercing question, it was that prophet Samuel that also followed with a summation of his life and ministry. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, the Bible says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice, or better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. And then verse 23, stinging, powerful, pointed words, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. Oh my, hear this. Amen. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. This was no small matter. We can think, well, I just, just a little bit out of the lane, just a little bit out of line, just a little bit off the beaten path. But the Lord spoke through Samuel and said, because sin, amen, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. And because of this, amen, the Lord has rejected. You've rejected him and now the Lord has rejected you. You know, in an hour in a dispensation of grace where we want somebody to come to the pulpit and preach a message of hope, restoration and grace, it's not popular to think that the Lord would reject someone because they rejected him. But I say, Lord, help me to walk, wake up every day and be determined to walk in obedience to your word. The other builder in the parable of Jesus looked down at his feet and he understood a powerful principle. One, he looked down and saw the sand and he realized this is not going to take long at all. This is going to be much easier than I ever imagined. But another man looked down and he understood a powerful principle. He knew that building his house on the rock is going to require a whole lot more of me. There's going to be a whole lot more of me that's put on the line here. A lot more sweat equity. A lot more, a lot more that's, going to, that's going to be required of me as a man, as me as a person. But he also understood that if I will do this right, and if I will take the time, if I will make the investment that the proper foundation will keep my house standing when the wind begins to blow. Because there's one thing for sure. Somewhere 
There's going to be a, a tomorrow that's going to hold a violent storm. Somewhere in our tomorrows, there's going to be something that can rock our world. And so I will tell you today not to take the easy path. That will work for today, but it won't work when the wind starts blowing. Amen. I want to look down and think, I know this is going to take more. This is going to take longer. This, this may take a, a much larger investment, but I'm not building this just for me and today, but I'm building something that will stand the test of time. And sure enough, Matthew 7 records, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. Both houses faced the same forecast, and both houses faced the same storm. But only one house stood, because only one house was built on the right foundation. I want to build on the right thing. Amen. Jesus likened the house to whosoever hears the word and obeys the word. I want to tell you something powerful happens when we get up out of a service and we may have heard the, the principle of that message preached again and again and again. But we walk home not thinking we wasted our time. But we walk home and say, I thank God that a principle got underlined one more time in my life. And just in case I was thinking about drifting and just in case I was thinking about putting a little slack in the cord in this particular area of my life I'm going to sense this back down and I'm going to live soberly and righteously according to his word amen I want the word of God to have the final say I want the word of God to be the ultimate guardrails in my life because it is impossible to claim to be a Christian who loves the Lord but refuse to hear and obey his word We've got to be obedient to his word. It's a contradiction to claim to follow a leader and then refuse to follow the leader that's leading. It's a contradiction to say, I want you to be my pastor and then not live according to the teachings of the pastor. Amen. It is a contradiction. It is a very dangerous thing to say, Amen. I'm going to submit myself. I'm going to yield myself until the rubber hits the road. Until we get to a place where we disagree. Until you think yes and I think no. Or you think no and I think yes. Amen. That, if we're using me as the illustration, that is a dangerous thing. It is a contradiction to say, I'm going to follow the leader until it gets time to follow the leader. Amen. God sent a stern word of warning to the people of Israel through his prophet Ezekiel. This was concerning hearing and doing the words. It's an alarming passage of scripture. And, and uh, if you've been around here very long at all, you've heard me talk about this passage of scripture because I, I've, I've always been moved by this. I've always been stirred by this. Not because I'm a pastor, but I'm also trying to get to heaven myself. Amen, don't ever forget that. Amen, I'm trying to get there myself. I'm not just trying to get somebody else there. Amen, I'm not just saying you, you go do what I say. I'm saying like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ because we're all trying to get there. But the Bible says in Ezekiel 33 and 31, he said, and they come unto thee. This is the Lord talking to Ezekiel. They come unto thee as the people cometh. And they set before thee as my people and they hear thy words but they will not do them. Amen. Now think about that. They come before you as my people. They look like my people. 
Amen. They act like my people. They sit before you as my people. They, everything looks right here. It all looks churchy. Amen. Can we just bring it to where we are today? I mean, this looks pretty churchy to me. It's, it looks like a pretty typical Sunday morning to me. And the Lord says, they're going to come and they're going to sit down. They're going to look like my people. They're going to think like my people. They're going to clap their hands. They're going to know right where to say amen and right, right, where to, right where to wave their hands and right where to brush a tear out of their eye. But the Lord said, Ezekiel, but here's the problem. They hear the word, but they will not do them. For with their mouth, they show much love. But their heart, their heart is going another direction. It's going after covetousness. Amen. And verse 32 says, And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. They love to hear you sing. They love to hear you preach. They love to hear this and they love to see that. But here's the problem. They hear your words, but they do they do not do them or they do them not. Amen. Everything looks right on the outside. Side. But you see today in this very service, there is an all-seeing eye. There is a God that's looking at your heart and he's looking at mine. Amen. There's a God that knows right now what we're going to do when we get up and walk out of this place. Well, I appreciate the message. Amen. I appreciate the songs. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, singers. We appreciate everything that you've done. And we've had a good time, a little bit of entertainment. We feel better about ourselves. But I'm going to walk out and I'm going to live what I was living when I got here or yesterday. But I'm going to tell you that's building your house on some shifting sand. And hear me one more time. Please hear me one more time. Amen. There is a storm in your tomorrow. There is a storm in your tomorrow. Hallelujah. There's a storm in your forecast. I've got to build my life on the right thing. I'm going to tell you this morning, we don't really have to have the Bible to remind us of what time it is. All you have to do is look around us and see what time it is. This is not time to play church. I'm not suggesting there's ever been a time to play church, but this is not the hour to play church. This is not the season to play with our salvation. Our soul has value. Our soul has Calvary value. Our soul has redemptive value. And we're going to spend eternity somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. Amen. Obedience to God is necessary for many reasons. Perhaps it's first because Jesus commanded it. John 14 and 15. You're not going to need a commentary for this. If you love me, keep my commandments. Amen. I wonder how many companions this morning would feel just that bent in your spirit. To look at your companion. You don't have to do it right now. But to look at your companion and say, if you love me, if you love me, be faithful to me. Amen, that's not, that's not tall fruit. Amen, that's low-hanging fruit. If you love me, be loyal to me. Amen, if you love me, don't make me worry. If you're 15 minutes late coming home from work, don't make me worry. Don't do anything like that. Amen, let there be some loyalty. Let there be some faithfulness. Let there be some honesty and let there be some integrity. That's what Jesus is saying. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, show it. If you love me, don't just say it with your lips because anybody can say I love you. You can train a parrot to say I love you. You can train a child to say I love you, but they don't understand what love is. They don't understand what devotion is. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm talking about today. Amen. There's something in our heart 
It ought to rise up. Amen. And say, Lord, you can count on me. You can trust me. Hallelujah. You can trust me. I want to know. I want to know. I want the Lord to know. I want the Lord to know that when I walk away today, I'm coming back home. Amen. I want you to know, Lord, when I leave here this morning, we're going to eventually dismiss. We're going to eventually turn the lights out. But I just want you to know, Lord, amen, if we aren't able to come back until Wednesday, you can count me in. I'm going to be here. I'm going to come. I'm going to pray in the morning. I'm going to pray Tuesday morning. I'm going to pray Wednesday morning. You can count me in. You can just go ahead and count me in. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Our obedience to God is a real demonstration of our faith in God and our worship of Him because if we believe something to be true, we're going to act accordingly because actions demonstrate true belief. Amen. The essence of faith is acting upon what we really believe to be true. Obedience to his will is the test of true faith. Because we can learn all the right things to say and we can learn when to say them and yet not obey the will of God. And so I don't want to just be a trained parrot, so to speak, because words are not a substitute for obedience. Neither... Are they a substitute for religious works? You know, it is very likely, most likely, that Judas participated in many things that happened in the ministry of Jesus. He was right there. His hands on the opposite end of the board, so to speak. Right there. But his actions proved that he wasn't a real believer. He had a title, had a calling, had a position, but his heart wasn't right. And so we are to hear the word of God and do them because the foundation of this parable is obedience to his word. The two men in this story, at the center of this story, had many things in common. Both of them desired to build a house. And both houses look good, and both houses look sturdy. But when judgment came, when the storm came, one house stood, and the other house collapsed. It didn't have anything to do with the builders. It had everything to do with the foundation. Luke 6 and 48 says the successful builder, it's in your Bible, dug deep. And set his house on a solid foundation. If you want to stand the test of time, you got to dig deep. Jesus told another parable related to this principle, Matthew 25, and it's where we read about the parable of the talents. And I realized that not many weeks ago this was talked about, but let's just pass this way again. Jesus told of a man who was preparing to leave on a distant journey and he anticipated, I'm going to be gone a while. So he distributed 
some talents among three different individuals. The talent that is mentioned in the scripture was a, a large sum of money, a large sum of money. And he gave these talents to his servants, but I think it's important that we understand something. So I'm going to intentionally slow down because I want us to get this principle. That he gave these talents to his servants according to their ability. That is important. As a matter of fact, that is critical. That God gives us talent according to our ability. Five talents to one servant. Two talents to another servant. One talent to a third servant. The man anticipated to all of these that he entrusted these talents that all of these men will do something with these talents. After some time he returned, settled the accounts with these three men and the servant that had received five talents returned them to his master but he also had five more talents that he could bring. He had gained this through bartering or trading. The servant who had received two talents again he had gained an additional two talents and he returned all four of those talents to his master. And then there was the, the third servant that received the one talent and because he hid that talent because the Bible says in Matthew 25 and 25 he was afraid, he was fearful. He hid the one talent so he only returned with one talent and the Bible calls him in verse 26 a wicked and a slothful servant. He should have put that one talent to work. Earn whatever interest you can from this one talent. Let this one talent be an investment. And consequently, the unprofitable servant lost all that he had. So I think here's the point that I feel like the Holy Ghost really wants to make in this service today. And that is that the Lord does not measure the outcome of our lives based on the production of our lives, but but the Lord measures the outcome of our lives based on the obedience of our lives. Because I'm going to just tell you that we're all multi-talented and we're all gifted differently. And so God is not going to expect from me what he expects from you and vice versa. And so you, you build a big house, well just hang on. The paint won't be dry so somebody will build a bigger house. You buy up a large sum of property and the ink on that deed will not hardly be dry before somebody else will buy a larger piece of property. And so if we get into this competitive nature, you're going to get on a, a Ferris wheel that you simply cannot get off. The man who left the servants in charge of his wealth, he, he was just as pleased with a servant that returned four talents as he was with the man who turned, returned ten. Amen. So let's remember this, that the servant with one talent was not condemned because of his lack of production. He was condemned because of his lack of obedience or his lack of effort. God didn't say you're less because you have one and you are more because you have five. He was not penalized because if he had just followed the, the trend, if he had just followed the pattern of his other cohorts, he would have brought two talents back to his master. And so this man wasn't going to set them up like we do in the Olympics. He wasn't going to set them up on a 
high pedestal and then the four-talent man on another pedestal and then the two-talent man on another pedestal. That's not how God looks at all of this. We come from different backgrounds of life and we come from different circumstances and we should never doubt that the Lord is fully aware of, of our circumstances. He is fully aware of our differences. And so he plans to use us and he plans to use our life situations and he plans to use our abilities for his glory. I'm just going to be honest with you. There are some people right now, if I just said, Sister so-and-so or Brother so-and-so, come up here and just share about seven minutes with us. They would, they would not make it four steps past where they're seated right now. If they stood at all, they would stand in terror and it would be unfair because that is not where God gifted them. And so not only would they, not only would you may not get a whole lot out of it, but they wouldn't get a whole lot out of it either because we have pulled them out of their world and tried to shoehorn them into some other world. But God also has given them the ability to do things that some could come to this pulpit and hold this mic and preach or sing or encourage us or instruct, direct us in some other way. But you ask that person who would be a little shy to come and do this, but give them another task that fits into their wheelhouse. And I will promise you that they would cast a shadow we would not be worthy to stand in. And so some men or some women are going to be called to be missionaries to nations all over the world and they're going to be effective and God is going to touch them and God's going to do something spectacular in their lives. But God didn't call all of us to be missionaries all over the world. Some people are going to be called to, to pastor churches in North America and they would not be good global America, they would not be global missions. They would not be good global missionaries because God has called them to be North American missionaries. You take others that are faithful laborers in their own home churches and maybe they would wilt under the pressure of trying to pastor a church or be a missionary or an evangelist of some sort because that's just not how God wants to use them. Amen. So we need to busy ourselves and use the abilities, whatever the various endeavors of ministry may be, but I believe that we all have the ability to make a contribution to the kingdom of God because the Lord requires faithfulness, not just results. It is you and I that are result-oriented. God honors faithfulness. I don't even know if it makes sense to use this illustration right here, but it just came to my mind, and I'm going to assume this was the Lord. It may not be. But I can think of two churches in the state of Florida that just ready to come to my mind right now, perhaps more if I would give it more thought, of men who were really not pulpiteers. They were not great speakers, if I could just be blunt. They were great men, mightily used of God, and they loved people. And they pastored their respective churches many years and served in those churches in different capacities and their faithfulness, their faithfulness, their faithfulness is unparalleled of how honorable they have lived 
and how honorable they have conducted themselves. And then as time went on, they transitioned out of the role of lead pastor and some of them became senior pastors and others followed in their footsteps. And that church began to gain and grow and momentum unprecedented, unparalleled. And I've just watched this from a distance and I've thought, Lord, how wonderful you are. How blessed you are. Because you weren't requiring results. You were just requiring faithfulness. Just faithfulness. I'm not talking about being lackadaisical. I'm not talking about men who were on the golf course when they should have been in the prayer room. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. Amen. They didn't have larger than life personalities. You're going to find them in the back of the room. You're going to find them in the shadows. But, but they were faithful. They were loyal. Amen. They could have looked around at others and their peers and they could have thought, you know, I'm not doing anything if I compare myself to the church down the road or the church across the way or to my friend across the state. Maybe I'm not doing anything because he was looking at results and, and reports and, and this and that. But you see, God was counting his faithfulness. And, and in time, and in time, they even passed from this life. Those that I'm referring to this morning have passed from this life. And they have gone on to their reward, but they hadn't got their reward yet. You know why? Because God is still blessing their faithfulness. <laughs> God is still honoring their faithfulness. And somebody is in that pulpit at this very moment this morning preaching the word of God. And they're not preaching it the same way they preached it. They're not presenting it the same way because they could only do according to the ability God gave them. And they weren't caught up in results. They were caught up in faithfulness. I'm gonna be faithful and I'm gonna be loyal. I just wanna reach to somebody and tell you today, don't compare your life against somebody else's life. And don't compare your gifts against somebody else's gifts. Don't compare your ministry against somebody else's ministry. Just open the book and be obedient to God and trust him for the results. I know I've been saying this a lot lately, but I just want to say it again. Trust the seed. Amen. You may not be presenting it like some world-renowned evangelist. You may not be presenting it like somebody that's a wordsmith. You may not be presenting it like some missionary, but I'm going to tell you, just trust the seed. Let it come from your lips. Let it come from your heart. Let it come from a faithful place in your spirit, and God will do the rest. But we've got to be obedient to it. We've got to be obedient to it. I took way too much time with that. But, but oh, God, help us to be obedient. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4 and 2, Moreover, it is required in servants, not suggested. It is required that a man be found faithful. Amen. Some people worry because they feel their giftings do not match the abilities of others. And if we're not careful, sometimes we can even excuse ourselves from doing anything at all because we can't do what others can do. I've shared this many times and won't get into the, the details of it, but I'm just so thankful that the Lord helped us. Many years ago, my wife and I realized our place in the kingdom. I'm not suggesting that the Lord says this is your box and this is your forever box and this is the only place you can operate but I'm going to tell you that, that if we're not careful, all of us can fall into the trap of comparing ourselves to others. And you look and see what you're doing. You look down the road see what somebody else is doing. If you're not careful, we start holding those notes up to the light. And we think, oh my goodness, I'm falling short. 
But I'm so thankful for what the Lord revealed in our heart. And so we just had to kind of just pull ourselves together and say, Lord, if this is where you choose to use us, and if this is how you choose to use us, I'm just asking you to help me to be obedient to what you called me to do. You didn't call me to do that over there. You didn't call me to do that over there. You called me to do this right here. So help me to be obedient to what you've called me to do. Because God's blessings are not based on production in the kingdom. His blessings are based on obedience to what he has called us to do. I've heard people sing. I've heard people try to sing that weren't called to sing. I've heard people try to preach that weren't called to preach. It's a mess. It's just a mess. When in fact we could probably just find where God called us and shine. Shine. Because the priority is obedience. The priority is obedience. I'm going to ask our musicians to come and let's just ask the Lord to help us to receive this word in our heart. Amen. You see, we can't rely on ourselves. And I can't say this too often, even though I probably will be repeating myself to some degree. But March the 2nd of this year marked my 41st year of preaching. 41 years of preaching. After 41 years, you should know a little of how to get in front of people, open a Bible, put a thought together, and get through a few minutes. Because just like you can learn to drive a tractor, or just like you can learn to drive a nail and cut a board, you can learn how to do anything. But the danger is, I don't want to become self-reliant. Because this is soul business. This is not just any business. Eternity is in the balance here. And so, yes, in theory, we should be able to just thumb through the Bible, put our finger on the scripture and haul off and say something. But we need the will of God and the word of God and not just our own self-reliance. Our musicians and singers, they know how to sing. They know how to play their instruments. They know how. You could push that piano right there out in the middle of a 40-acre field and they could still sit down and play it. It doesn't require this environment. It doesn't require this atmosphere. But you see, we've got better sense than to do that because we need God. We need God. And so I know I've got to rely on Him and not myself. Because if I start relying on me, then I'm limiting myself to really what I can do. And what I can do is limited. 
But if I can take what I have and put it in the hands of God, then God can and will bless. Amen. I want to ask you to stand and I want to share a story. The late Pastor James Kilgore, I just want to pause long enough to say how appreciative I am of the Lord that my wife and and I were able to meet Brother Kilgore before he left this world and to sit down and have some personal time with him, just the three of us. What a great man of God, mildly used of the Lord. But the late Pastor James Kilgore told the story of a a Sunday school girl. Um, As I understand it, maybe a girl that could have even come into their church on a church van or a church bus. But she wanted to give something in the offering, but she had nothing to give. So on her way out of her home, she found just a small budding flower. And she thought to herself, as she picked that flower, this will be my offering for Sunday school because I have nothing else to offer, but I want to bring something to God. And so this young girl made her way to her Sunday school class and as the little offering basket was passed, in her innocence, she dropped in that little flower. And thank God for a sensitive Sunday school teacher. A sensitive Sunday school teacher observed her giving. And that morning she thought, I need to share this with Brother Kilgore. And so I'm going to take him, I'm going to take him this flower and share this story. And so when Brother Kilgore received that tiny flower and he heard the touching story of how this young girl just wanted to give God something. The Spirit of the Lord nudged Brother Kilgore to share this story in their main service. And so he was obedient to the prompting of the Lord. And as he began to share the story of this little girl that just picked a flower, brought it to her Sunday school class, dropped it in the bag, and that sensitive Sunday school teacher who was keen enough to pick up on that, he began to share that with his church congregation and the spirit of giving moved in their church hear me now someone in that service felt prompted to present the idea to auction that flower off for missions and one by one the spirit of giving began to move in that church and people began to place bids for that simple flower And in the end, several thousand dollars were raised in that service for global missions. (laughs) Because a little girl said, I'll I'll, I'll give. I know this is not like the rancher that gave a hundred dollar bill this is not like the business owner that gave $50. This is not like the man who, 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 who paid that $1,000 pledge. I've just got a flower, but I'll give it to God. And God took her faith and God took her obedience. That's our key. And God used that obedience. I wonder how much we would be willing to abase ourselves and say, Lord, what I have to offer doesn't seem like much but I'm going to give it with all my heart. Do you have something you'd like to give today? 
Amen. You have something of your heart you'd like to give, something of yourself you'd like to give. You have, you have something that you say, Lord, I, I know that, that my ministry is not really compared to somebody else's, all that, but I'm just going to bring it to you today. I wonder. <laughs>